thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Now, Abner, the son of Ner, and the servants of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, went out from Manam to Gibeon. And Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and the servants of David, went out and met them by the pool of Gibeon. It's just, and really, it's, a, it's like a small lake area. It's not like a swimming pool. So you kind of get the right picture here. And they sat down, one on one side of the lake or pool, and one on the other side of the lake or pool. Abner said to Joab, let the young men now arise and compete before us. And Joab said, let them arise. So they're going to kind of pull out their weapons. And they took, uh, went over by number, uh, 12 from Benjamin, followers of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and 12 of the servants of David. And each one grasped his opponent by the head and thrust his sword in his opponent's side. So they fell down together. Uh, therefore, that place is called the Field of Sharp Swords, which is in Gibeon. So there was a very fierce battle that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of the Lord. So, now, he is warring, and this is causing them, these are all God's people, and yet they're killing each other now. It's a real serious tragedy, and kind of a good thing in word pictures for us to look at and see how, how, what a bummer it is to have conflict unnecessarily like this. And now the three sons of Jeriah uh, were there, Joab, Abishai, and uh, Asiel. And Asiel was at the feet of, uh, has, was had feet. His feet, he was real fast. He ran like a gazelle. That's the bottom line to it. And so Asiel pursued Abner, and in going, he did not turn to the right hand or to the left from following Abner. Then Abner looked behind him and said, uh, Are you Asiel? And he answered, I am. And Abner said to him, turn aside to your right hand or turn uh, to your left and lay hold on one of the young men and take his armor for yourself. But Asiel would not turn aside from following. He was after him. And Abner said to Asiel, turn aside from following me. Why should I strike you to the ground? Now then, how then could I face your brother, Joab? However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore, Abner struck, struck him down. Struck him in the stomach with the blunt end of the spear, so that the spear came out of his back, and he fell there and died on the spot. So it was that as many as came to that place where Asiel fell and died stood still. It's a real, you know, this guy's just, he's killed, he wipes him out. This is, again, this whole interaction with uh, what was happening with um, Abner and how he's fighting and going into all this stuff with him and, and battling. It was just a, a real sign of what's going on with the, uh, he's yielded really to something uh, going against God's purpose and God's leader. You know, he's, he's fighting with that. And, you know, this is, this is what happens when we take something and are going against God's purpose and God's, God's plan. 
We start fighting against it, and it really, it's like God's eternal plan for us and how many people resist the love of God. And they start warring and fighting against that, and it causes us a lot of decay in a lot of different ways in our lives. We end up battling with, we're fighting the, the people that are really our own, you know, countrymen, basically. And all this stuff in, in the spirit, it's really horrible what is happening or being revealed. He starts, uh, and obviously, um, it's, it's a family thing. It's, it's caused him to yield to... Uh, to fight and to get into things because he was Saul's cousin. I mean, what else, he didn't, what else is he going to do, kind of? Now, if he goes with David, what's the other family members going to think? You know, I don't know if you remember going through any of this or working through this. What are other people going to think when I give, if I give my life to the Lord? If I start following Jesus, you know, this is kind of, for us in typology, it's that same kind of vantage point. What's going to happen? What's going to happen if I start doing that? I mean, what am I going to do? Is, am I going to lose my job over this? Am I going to, you know, what, what's going to happen to me? All these kind of things are, are starting to play out. So Joab and Abishai also pursued Abner. And the sun was going down when they came to the hill of Amma, which is before Gia by the road of the wilderness of Gibeon. Now the children of Benjamin gathered together behind Abner and became a unit and took their stand on the top of the hill. Then Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that it will be bitter in the latter end? How long will it be until you tell the people to return from pursuing their brethren? So Abner is now calling out to Joab because this whole thing just breaks out into this big war between David's men and, you know, Abner's guys. And they're just, they're just going at it. And it's just, it's, it's horrible what happens. And actually, they end up losing, they're, they're, they're losing battles. Joab said, as God lives, in verse 27, unless you had spoken, surely but then by morning all the people would have given up pursuing their brethren. So Joab blew a trumpet, and all the people stood still and did not pursue Israel anymore, nor did they fight anymore. Then Abner and his men went on all that night through the plain, crossed over the Jordan, and went through all Bithron and came to Maam. So again, this guy, Abner, is, just, is in this spot where he keeps losing battles. He's, he's fighting, but he's losing the battle. I don't know if you remember, you know, some of this, what, what can be happening. And, and I think for us spiritually, when we're fighting against the things of the Lord or the things that God's purposed, the things in the spirit that God's purposed for our lives, and we're fighting against those things in the natural side, we're fighting and warring against those things, and, and we're just not getting anywhere. You feel like you're, you're, you're just not getting anywhere in your journey. Nothing's really happening between you and God. You're just not getting anywhere. These battles, and you just don't feel like you're winning in the battles. You feel like you're just, you just keep getting beat down and beat down in the, in the battle zone. And, and one of the things is, it's kind of crazy when you look at this, is, as, as he keeps getting in the same spot, losing battles eventually causes us to rethink our position. And don't you know that would start to be happening to somebody like Abner at this time? He's starting to rethink. Look at man, we're fighting. We keep fighting against each other. We're killing each other. What is this all about? What's this going on? He's lost all of his, you know, his way in what he's trying to do. 
And he's doing foolish things in that sense. The flesh, you know, uh, in this same sense, warring against the things of the Lord and the purposes of God. So Joab returned from pursuing Abner in, in uh, verse 30. And when he had gathered all the people together, there were missing of David's servants, 19 men and in, in Asael. But the servants of David had struck down of Benjamin and Abner's 362 who died. And then they took up Asiel and buried him with his father's tomb, which was in Bethlehem. And Joab and his men went all night, and they came to Hebron at daybreak. Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul weaker and weaker. Isn't that the way it would go? This is the thing. The flesh in these battles ultimately will deplete. It begins to deplete. It starts to wear down. And this is why, remember when we've talked about this, and I say, man, eventually, you know, you, you, you've got to cry uncle, or you've got to, because God loves us, and he's in pursuit of us, and eventually we get worn down, worn down. We get, you get tired of fighting that battle, because you're going against the wrong side, right? You're, you're fighting against the wrong thing, and it's, it's almost in futility. I remember vividly, so clearly, running from God. And I had to keep it in the forefront of my mind what I thought about Christians. I had to keep it in the forefront of my mind at all times so that I didn't allow myself in my mindset at the time to become deceived. So I think, well, you know, they're hypocrites. And I would recite inside my mind what I saw in, as the hypocrisy that I saw as a young person going to church. I would recite that in my mind. And I'd think, yeah, that's right, they're hypocrites, that's right. You know, I'd, I'd like strengthen myself in my mind in this weird thought process of how this, how they're all messed up and I must be thinking, but I'm wearing myself down trying to fight this battle that, and, and, and eventually I'm losing, you know, some battles here and there because I, I meet some believer, I come across some person that doesn't treat me that way, that's not judgmental or weird, that just loves God and, and has... You know, as, as that transpired for me, as, as someone, you know, came in and, you know, just had a heart for the things of the Lord, and I watched that person, and I thought, man, this person is so messed up. That's really what I thought. I was in the world in my mindset. I thought, they're so messed up. But I'd watch them come in and, and watch them work, and they'd interact with me. I'd watch them go through some weird cuss fest and all this stuff, and I'd think, yeah, these guys are just all idiots, you know. In my mind, this is what I thought, but deep down, the Lord's just chiseling at me because I'm losing this battle that I think I'm fighting inside myself, and I'm watching God just chisel this away from me because I see this person then come back, talk to me, tell me that, hey, man, I know you heard me cussing and carrying on. I want you to forgive me. I said, dude, really, you never need to come in and talk to me about this kind of stuff, ever. Don't. Please don't. You know, I'd ask him not to. But he'd come back in and talk to me about it over and over again. But finally, what really got me was I realized that, man, that guy had something I wanted again. I wanted that kind of forgiveness in my heart. I wanted to know God that way. I wanted a God that would love and forgive and understand and all that. I wanted that. He wasn't, this guy was far, far from perfect, I am telling you. But what was so cool is it was real. 
And I think that's so important for us to remember. Don't try and be a plastic person. Man, be real. God will use that. That's what I'm saying about David. It's being laid out for us. A real person, real people have real problems. That's the way it goes, you know? And so you look at this, you start saying, oh, man. So the spirit, as we see with David, grew stronger and stronger. So the spirit strengthens and the flesh depletes in that particular battle zone. And it'll always be that way, brothers and sisters. It'll never change. Sons were born to David in Hebron. His firstborn was Ammon by Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess. His second, Chiliab by uh, Abigail. We can't go on through all those, really. That's just, we're all going to suffer too much. Let's move along. These were born to David in Hebron. That's the end of verse 5. Now, it was so. While there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner was strengthening his hold on the house of Saul. So he's kind of gaining more and more rule, kind of, so to speak. And Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, uh, the daughter of Ai. So Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? Now, to us, whatever, what does that mean to anything? In their culture, in their world, now if you remember what Absalom did when he went into the city, what did he do? He went up to the rooftop and went into his father's concubines. It's a big statement saying, I have rule over your stuff. That, that, that's, it's, a big, it's a big deal in their culture, okay? And it's, it's a big, powerful statement that, that was made. We can detest it. We can think that's not whatever. It doesn't matter. That was their culture. That's how it rolled then. And he, if somebody did that, and so Ishbosheth is saying, dude, is that what you're doing, Abner? I mean, you're going into my dad's concubines. Like, man, that's like, because it's like showing this tremendous disdain for the person who was in rule and showing that you have now power over it. it it's, a, it's a power move-like type thing. And so this is what he had done. Now, then Abner became very angry with the words of Ishbosheth. Remember, Ishbosheth, man of rottenness. What a name, huh? Man of rottenness. So I doubt too many of us are going to name our kids that. But, and he said, am I, this is, this is Abner's response to Ishbosheth's statement you know, about him doing this with his dad's concubine. Am I a dog, a dog's head that belongs to Judah? Today I show loyalty to the house of Saul, your father, to his brothers and to his friends, and have not delivered you into the hand of David. And you charge me today with, with a fault concerning this woman? Now, the interesting thing is, so Abner starts out and he gets kind of caught up, could be the family issues, why he stays with, you know, because he's cousin of Saul, you know, because of the, the worry of, you know, how this is going to play out if he actually yields and goes with David. But he starts not only doing foolish things, and you saw the warring and, and the killing people and all the stuff that goes on that's just foolishness. I, again, a lot of us can reflect some of the conversations and, and the, the horrible things we've said to some people you know, regarding God and how we want nothing to do with it or something when we weren't walking with God. I, I remember horrible things that I, I used to say to people and family members even, you know, and just wanting nothing to do with it. But then not only that, but look at his moral fiber starts to even decay in the midst of it. Now he's doing things that he just knows he shouldn't be doing, but he does it anyway. And now ultimately he's talking to 
his leader, right? The present king that he helped to kind of get put into rule. He says, I show loyalty to the house of Saul, your father, to his brothers, to his friends, and have not delivered you into the hand of David, and you charge me today with a fault concerning this woman. Now, check this out. Ultimately, Abner is at this point, just in the flesh mode, he's in this point where he's warring against God's anointing, against God's purpose and plan in David, right? Just like us repelling Jesus, repelling God from having a place in our lives. He's doing that, and now he's finally at the point, he's hit this bottom of the bucket with all this. He's done this thing that really has exposed just horrible moral fiber even and everything. And then he turns back with disdain, really, and disgust for his leader, the person that he's supposedly following in all of this. I don't know about you, but I, again, remember the time in giving my, just, just before I'm giving my life back to the Lord, and I'm reflecting, and I, because I'm starting to see Satan for who he really is. And I'm starting to have disgust and disdain for the path that I've been encouraged to go down because it's actually ruining my life. I, it was, there was no satisfaction. I was always empty. It all seemed good on the outside, but on the inside, I'm, I'm just spinning out. I'm disgusted with everything. I, I, become, I had become everything I never really wanted to be as far as you know, certain aspects deep inside of myself. And it happens, it just, it's, it's, it's common. This is what happens. And then, ultimately, you see the enemy for the one who's really been deceiving you in all this stuff, pulling you away from God, and you've been deceived this time. And you just kind of think, man, I, this isn't right. So this is his response. He says, may God do so to Abner, and more also, if I do not do for David as the Lord has sworn to him, to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and to set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba. And he could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. Basically, Abner turns. He says, you know what? That's it. I've had enough. I'm going to go follow David. This is 9, 10, and 11 is Abner's repentance point where he, he gets to the point where he realizes, you know what, i got to make a stand for something. I've got, I've got to stand for something. This other stuff, I'm, I'm just following after this other stuff. I'm not standing for, up for the right things. I'm standing up for the wrong things. And he's, I'm going to turn to God. I like this, to transfer the kingdom from, from the house of Saul and to set up the throne of David. Man, he said, I'm, I'm going to do what I can to shift and put a shift in the tide of what's going on. You see, I believe this for an individual's life. I believe that for one individual's life, that we can turn and start to follow. I believe that for an individual. I believe that for a family. I believe that for a family unit. That if, if a, a, a parent or a father or a mother, and sometimes it can be a son or a daughter, but someone in that family turns and really sees God for who God is, it can make an impact, a lasting impact on that whole family. I believe not only on a family, I, can believe, I believe that that impacts an extended family. I not only believe that it impacts an extended family, I believe that that impacts a community. I believe that that impacts a 
region, an area, and I believe that can impact a country. I believe not only can that impact a country, but it can impact the world. I really believe that. I believe that if people really believe and are going to follow God and are going to turn and start to follow Jesus Christ, I really believe it changes not only them, but it changes other people around them in the process. I really, I've watched this over and over and over again. There aren't just token Christians in families. God doesn't do it that way. God places us in this place where if we respond to him, God will use that for good. You see, every one of us can influence people either for a negative thing, something that's going to be destructive, or we can impact people for something positive, something in the Lord that is fruitful and good. We can, we can be persuasive one way or the other. And it's choose ye this day whom you will serve. You know, this is what Joshua said, and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He knew the power of that that it impacts and has a change, and it's just a powerful change that can take place. But we cannot relent. We can't give up or, or slow down in that process. we got to stay the course with it. I love what this does here is he stays that course. If you turn, turn with me in a New Testament side of this, Colossians chapter 1, the first chapter of Colossians, talks about the same exact truth that takes place that we just read about. Paul mentions it in chapter 1. Verse 13, speaking of Jesus, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed, or you'll notice in your margin notes, it'll say transferred. Same word, same concept, same meaning, root meaning of it. And conveyed or transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Isn't that radical? That same concept of what he's saying, I'm going to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David. He says that, that, that kind of a transfer is what takes place. And in Colossians, that same concept is put forth for us. That turning to God, that transfer that takes. You remember how I've, we've talked about this. I really believe this to be true. I, I believe there is an actual transaction that happens in the spirit realm when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. I really believe that there's this transaction that takes place. That there's, and I am saying, yes, I want the blood of the cross, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, to be appropriated on the doorposts and lentils of my heart. I want that blood to cover me for my sin, because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. I want God's forgiveness, and so I'm going to say, yes, I want that appropriated. And I go on record between me and God. I go on record saying, yes, God, I want that for my life. I know that I'm, because in order to recognize, I got to recognize that I'm a sinner before God, that I need that done. So I acknowledge to God that I need that done. Then God appropriates that into, on the doorposts and lentils of my heart. And the angel of death in that sense passes over. In other words, now I've got everlasting life. It's mine. It's yours. It's for all who would believe and call on the name of the Lord. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening today. And I know that some of you may have a tug on your heart that the Lord's just kind of speaking to you personally and that you'd like to give your life to Jesus or maybe like to give your life back to Jesus. Well, this is your opportunity. This is your time. Jesus said, 
Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus desires to have fellowship, personal relationship with us. And so he stands at the door of our hearts and knocks. He loves us. He doesn't force entrance into our lives, but he wants you to open the door and invite him in. And so I want to give you an opportunity right now just to pray a simple prayer of faith. Again, it doesn't matter whether you're driving or you're sitting at home or you're out on a walk with your earbuds in, whatever it might be, but this is your opportunity to give your life and get back to Jesus or give it to Jesus that you might have everlasting life. He wants to spend all eternity with you, and he wants you to have life abundant. So if you would just pray this simple prayer with me, Jesus, I want to invite you into my heart to be my personal Lord and Savior. I want to ask that you would forgive me of all of my sin. And I pray, Lord, that you would just take my sin and my old life and just give me a new life in you. I thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. I thank you for the new life that I have in you now. And I just ask that your Holy Spirit would come into my life and fill me to overflowing, that I might accomplish your purpose, Lord, that your will would be done now in and through my life. I give my life to you. I thank you for the new life I have. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Jesus, come.